an honor to speak and it's an honor to preach. And uh, I'm just going to take my time tonight. But uh, there's a few things I just I want to touch on. And, um, you know, Pastor asked me to speak there uh, a couple of days ago. And so I always want to, you know, it's, it's always nice to have a message prepared. But I, I just like hearing fresh from the Lord and what he wants to wants to say through me because, you know, I, I pray that, um, you know, at John 3.30, that he would increase and I would decrease. I don't want nothing to, to do with me. I want everything to do with him. And I want to glory, uh, bring glory to his name and everything that I do and everything that I say. But, uh, you know, what I want to talk to you tonight about um, is, is God values your salvation. I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. And I want to give a few points on what salvation means. And it, it means so much more than just giving your heart to the Lord and living for Jesus. There's so much more to salvation than just that. And, uh, you know, there's a few words that I want to talk about and, and point on. But the first one is, uh, you know, soteria and, so, and sozo. In the Greek, it, it means a few different things, and I'll go over those things. Uh, but also it, uh, and I'll go over the Hebrew meanings too. But you know, first of all, I just want to remind ourselves that, you know, first of all, God always has a plan for our lives, and it's always to deliver us from destruction. It's always to deliver us from destruction. And every evil, it's always God's plan. It's always God's purpose. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace, and they're not of evil. It's to give you a hope in a future, or another translation would say an expected end, right? And um, so, yeah, God always has a plan to deliver you from, from every evil, every destruction. And that's number one. You have to remind yourself of that. And, you know, some people know what I've, I've been through the last um, little bit, the last couple of years, uh, with, with everything that went on. Um, and it was probably, probably the hardest, hardest uh, time in my life, spiritually. I mean, there was such a weight. But I, I, I knew and I trusted in my God and everything that was happening in my life and my wife's life. Because, you know, I'm supposed to be, the, you know, the Bible says that we're the leader of the home. I'm, I'm the head of the household. I'm the leader of the home. And I'm supposed to lead my wife. So, you know, I... I I just needed to hear from the Lord on things, and, and I did, and I just obeyed him. Even though it was hard, I knew that, you know, he had a plan and purpose to deliver me from, from every evil, every harm, and that's God's will for your life as well. And, you know, as, and what really helped me was, uh, you know, really Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28, I don't know how many times I went into my prayer closet Sometimes I'd be laying on, the t- uh, laying on the couch watching TV and I'd just feel such a heaviness. And I would just get up and I would go in my bedroom and I would get on my knees and I would say, thank you, Lord, for Romans 8.28, that you work all things together for my good because I love you and I'm called according to your purpose. And then, you know, I would, I would, I read, I would read Psalms. And, uh, you know, we, we, think of, we think of Psalms, you know, it's like this. The Psalms are prophecies. And sometimes when you're going through a hard time, you need to remind yourself of the word. And, and when I was going into the Psalms, and uh, Psalms 91, uh, verse 14, 15, and 16, 
the Bible says that he is, it says his, he set his love upon me, right? Um, he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him and uh, set him on high because he has known my name. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I don't know how many times that I went in my prayer closet by myself on my knees and I prayed that. Thank you, Lord, you'll deliver me and set me on high because I've known your name. And he always will, and he always will for you as well. But those Psalms, they're, they're prophecies. They're things, prophecies of things to come. And sometimes when we, uh, sometimes, because it's most important to be in the word, but when you're worshiping and when you're listening to songs, you know, sometimes the songs that you sing are prophecies of things to come, right? Prophecies of things to come. It's like, and I don't know, I don't know when these songs came out, but there was uh, two songs that really I held on to um, during these these times. And it one number one was uh, it was by Hillsong United. It was called "Another in the Fire," and I believe that we speak or we we sing that in church. And you know, "Another in the Fire" talks about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what happened was, you know, Nebuchadnezzar threw him in the fire, and who was in the fire with him? Jesus. There's another one in the fire with you. You know, no matter what you go through, Jesus is there with you in the fire. And another, another um, song that really, I mean, I, I even played it loud today when I went to work was uh, Protector. Protector by Kim Walker. And a powerful song. I mean, and, you know, these songs came out way before what was going on. And I remember, you know, just listening to them, listening to them, listening to them. And, you know, and there's another song, and I believe that this is a, it's, it's a song of prophecy. It's, um, it's, it's by Bethel, and it's, uh, I see heaven. And uh, I believe that, you know, we'll see heaven open up, and we'll see revival, we'll see salvation come. And, uh, but anyways, you know, during those times, I, I stood, on those, stood on those words. I stood on the salvation of the Lord. And one, uh, one um, definition of salvation, it means to save and protect. It means to deliver. And another one is uh, welfare. It means, and welfare in the Hebrew means shalom. And shalom means peace, health, rest, healing, to be well, to, to be holy. And it's also a greeting that we give one another. It's like when me and Pastor Paul, you know, we say, you know, shalom, shalom, you know, shalom. And, uh, and it's really powerful, too. I, I remember going to a, a lady's house, um, a customer's house, and I seen a mezuzah on, the, on her door. And, uh, you know, the first thing I, I, I said to her was, uh, shalom. And uh, she said, shalom back. And, you know, and I, and I asked her where she got her mezuzah. She goes, oh, I got it from our, our temple or whatever, or our synagogue. And, uh, and, you know, when you see a mezuzah, there's, there's a little prayer that goes along with it. You say, blessed are Lord, our God, King of the universe. And so anyways, I did that, and I put my hand on the mezuzah, and I said, blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe. And she said, thank you. You know, because that speaks a blessing over someone else. You know, and not only does it speak a blessing, it's, it really, what you're doing is speaking salvation over someone's house. It's like the Lord told me years ago, he said, whenever you're working on someone's uh, piece of equipment, pray, bring peace into that place, bring a blessing into that place, and pray for their salvations. You know, not only, you know, sometimes I get to, to minister to him, witness to him, but, you know, bring, bring salvation. You bring salvation in that place wherever you go. You bring salvation wherever you go, right? 
you know, and, and even over this past little time, you know, I've noticed that uh, there, there was a lot of persecution, a lot of hate, and there was just, really, there was no peace. And like I explained to you just recently about Shalom, it's, it's peace, and there was no peace. You know, wherever you go, you bring peace. You bring peace. Why? Because you have the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords inside you, right? You know, even Jesus, when he went along, he went about, Acts 10, 38, he says, he went about doing good. Well, you know, God, how, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, he said he went about doing good and healing what? All who are oppressed of the devil. For what? God was with him. And that same spirit lives inside you. It lives inside me. That wherever you go, he goes. The spirit of God lives inside you. So wherever you go, salvation goes. Right? And salvation, like I said, is so much more than just being saved and serving God. And you know, there's another meaning. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's a meaning that it's touchy even in the, in the church, and a lot of people don't believe it, but yet it's a, it's a part of the package. And what the part of the package is, is and, and what it is, is prosperity. Salvation, prosperity and salvation go hand in hand. It goes hand in hand. And you know, like uh, <laughs> Pastor Paul, he was uh, speaking on um, Exodus chapter 12, and he was talking about the Israelites coming out with favor. And I put in my Bible, I said, they, they came out with favor, but they came out not broke, busted, or disgusted. Yeah. But, and then the Lord spoke to me, he goes, he goes, you got a full tank, uh, top of the line, Fox body, not rusted. And some people might not understand that. And some people will, but you know, if you want to know what that means, I'll, I'll come and explain it to you later, but some people know what it means, but just a little little thing that I wrote down in my Bible. But, uh, you know, in even uh, Psalms 35, pastor used to pre- preach this all the time, and I, and I believe that we should, we should say it tonight. You know, I know, I know Pastor Gary and Nancy are watching, but let's say it together. And, and, and I know, you know what it says. Psalms 35, 27 says, Let the Lord be magnified, who had pleasure in us, and of a servant. Oh no, sorry. Let the Lord be magnified. Let us shout for joy and be glad and be glad. Let us favor his righteous cause. Let us what? Continually say, let the Lord be magnified. Who what? Takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Yes, let us shout for joy and be glad for he favors his righteous cause. Let the Lord be magnified. Who takes what? Pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. His will is for you to prosper. If you're saved, it's his will for you to prosper. And prosper, it doesn't just mean finances. Finances. It means spiritually, physically, and financially. It's the whole meal deal. It's the, it's, it's the whole meal deal, right? And even, you know, Job 36, 11, it says, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Let me read that again. Job 36, 11. It says, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. 
That's a good verse. When I was going through that, I, I'd never seen that verse before. You know, we serve them, right? Why can't we live in prosperity, live out our days in pleasure? Yes, that's his will for us. If you put it in his word, his word is his will, right? And the word prosperity in the Hebrew, it means Toby, and it means to be bountiful, cheerful, graciously kind, pleasure, good, goodness, wealth, beautiful. And you know what? There's 517 verses and over 559 times it's mentioned that word in the, in the, in the, in the Bible, prosperity, Toby. Right? And even, I even named my dog goodness. I even named my dog goodness. Why? Because I, I believe for those things to come into my life. I believe for the goodness of God to come into my life. And you know, we always, Romans um, 2.5 says, the goodness of God leads a man to repent. Right? It's, it's his goodness. And it, God just wants to show his goodness to you. He just wants to show his salvation to you every single moment of every single minute of your life. And, uh, you know, like I said, I named my dog Goodness. And I was picking her up the other day. We usually take her to daycare once a week just to socialize her and make her be a better dog. And, and so anyways, um, and so when we, we, when we did our study on, you know, what we wanted for a dog, uh, I told Heather, I said, you know what, I think, I think this is the, the, the best dog for us, and I think it's a, you know, a golden retriever. And so we, was, we were believing God for a golden retriever, and we, we kept on saying for years, you know, our next dog is going to be a really great dog, it's, you know, because you hear some stories. But I went, to, I went to pick her up the other day, and um, anyways, I just asked, I usually ask, how are, they, how are my dogs, how are they, you know what I mean? And she said, uh, the lady said, she goes, you know what, out of all the golden retrievers, she's the only one that lives up to her name. She's the only one that ever lives up to her name, you know, and, you know, but do we live up to our name? Do we live up to the, to the, to the name we represent? Yeah, we do. We do, you know, because we, we seek first his way of doing things and everything that we need will be added unto us. You know what I mean? That's seeking first his, his kingdom, his way of doing things. Matthew six thirty three. But, you know, <laughs> But I've learned, you know, like not everyone, not everyone will be saved. And uh, it's not everyone will be saved. But yet, you know, it's because of our example of how we, um, let me write, I wrote this down. But yet some don't want to be saved. It's because of the example of how a Christian should be has not been the example of Christ. Let me read that again. But yet some don't want to be saved. It's because of our example of how a Christian should be has not been the example of Christ. And I say that to myself. And when, I, when, I, when I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching to myself, right? I'm preaching to myself. Am I, and I examine myself, am I being an example for Christ? Am I, am I living what Jesus said to the disciples? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Am I living that? Am I, am I living the word of God in my life? Am I seeking him? Am I putting him first? Is my conversation becoming the gospel? Is my conversation becoming salvation to someone? You know, I, I think about that. I examine myself. I don't like, I don't judge myself, but, or I don't condemn myself. You know, even when I do mess up, you know, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, you can confess your sins and he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But I examine myself. 
You know, am I really bringing salvation? Am I really bringing wholeness to people? Am I really bringing peace to people? And, you know, like I said, you know, but God always has a, a plan. He always has a purpose. And he always wants to bring salvation to you, through you. And, you know, Luke chapter 19, we're going to get into the word in a minute. Um, anyways. So, anyways, let's turn to Luke chapter 19. Has salvation come to your house? Well, you know what? We're going to read about Zacchaeus and how salvation came to his house. Starting in, uh, in verse 1, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Notice, you know, I wrote down in my Bible, Zacchaeus was seen as a sinful figure, uh, self-enriching, corrupt, and traitorous towards Jews. But yet... Zacchaeus' name, you know what it means? Pure and innocent. Pure and innocent. Verse, um, verse 3. And he sought to see Jesus who he was, but he could not for the press or for the multitude because he was of little stature. And you know what? It doesn't matter how small or big you are, you are valued by God. God values your salvation. God values you, Right? He even knows the number of hairs on your head, even though there's not that much on mine. But, uh, you know, it's there. You know what I mean? I listen to my wife. I, I, I use this shampoo. You know what I mean? <laughs> verse 4. And he said, he, and he ran before him and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he's, he was uh, going to pass that way. That, when, when I read that word climbed up, the Lord said he acted in humility. You know, James 4, 6 says, you know, God resists the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. And we're going to see that grace came to, grace and salvation came to Zacchaeus' house. It says, when, and when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste. He said, and come down for today. I must abide at your house. You know what? If he abides, does he abide at your house? Yes, he does. If you know him, if you're saved, if you're serving God, you know, he lives inside of you. And, you know, wherever you go, he goes, like I said before. And he said, and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man in the with He was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. How many murmurers do we have in the house of today? No murmurers here? That's good, you know, but Jesus had, a, Jesus had a company of murmurers with them. They had a company of complainers. It says it right there. It says, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he's gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. You know, and we're not supposed to, we're not supposed to complain. First Thessalonians, go over to First Thessalonians, keep your hand there and uh, your finger there, your ribbon there, and, uh, and Luke. 1 Thessalonians, verse, uh, oh gosh, this is good. Verse 8, he says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on a breastplate of faith, love, and a helmet of hope of salvation. That word breastplate, it's like, um, it's a protection. And when we put a breastplate on, what do we do? We're protecting what? We're protecting our vital organ, which is our heart. You know, always be um, 
always be protecting what goes in and what comes out of your heart. That's what he showed me. The breastplate of faith and love. It says, and for the home or in the helmet or the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. I wrote down in my Bible. It said, let your thoughts uh, be of God delivering you always. Let your thoughts be of God delivering you always. The hope of salvation. You're thinking about those things all the time. Because sometimes that's that's where the battlefield is. That's where the battlefield is in the in the mind. You know, thoughts come towards you. Satan uses your thoughts. You know what I mean to what get you off track and get you get you saying, "No, God's not your protector. God's not your you know your, the hope of your salvation." No, well, no, He is. You just got to put those thoughts down. It says, "For God has not appointed us under wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. And whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him." He said, wherefore, comfort yourselves, not complain within yourselves, and edify one another. Not, I heard one preacher say, edify. We're not, here to, we're not here to complain with each other or edify one another. We're here to comfort one another and edify one another. He says, and in verse 12, he says, And I beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor, labor among you and are over you in the Lord, admonish you, and to esteem them verily high very high in love for their work's sakes, and be at peace among yourselves. Who's he talking to here? He's talking to the church. It says, And now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but follow that which is good, both among yourselves and what? Among all men. So we're not we're not here to complain. We're not here to you know, edify one another, but we're here to comfort one another. You know, comfort one another with the word of God. Iron sharpens iron. We're here to sharpen each other. Because we got a we got a big we got a huge call in our lives. You know what I mean? We think Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to the word. Luke chapter 19. It says, And he made haste and came down and received them joyfully. And like I said, verse 7 says, And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, He was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I have taken. If I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'll restore unto him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day salvation has come to your house, for as so much he is also the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to what? Seek and to save what? That which is lost. You know what? It would be so easy to get people saved if we would just walk in what? Love and unity with one another. We're not in competition with anybody else, right? We all have the same goal, right? We want to see people saved. We want to see people delivered. We want to see people, you know, blessed spiritually physically and financially but like i said not everyone will be saved and uh you know i've been reading through the book of revelation and you know what it's not that i'm concentrating on those things on jesus coming back and the rapture and stuff like that. i'm not but i i want an understanding of those things because a lot of people there's a lot of misconception out there there's a lot of things that are just bombarding people and these are the last days. Yes, they are. But I'm trying not to concentrate on those things, but I am trying to study those things out so I have a, 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 what the Bible says, be ready at all times to give a what? A man an answer. 
So Revelation, but in Revelation chapter seven, uh, still, you know, like I said, before Jesus comes back, there's going to be a great outpouring of spirit. There's going to be people saved. There's going to be people coming to the church and we're going to be the ones that are going to be helping them and feeding them and just, you know, feeding them with the word. But the world's greatest revival and the great, the world's greatest outpouring of the spirit is still upon, you know, the church, um, in Revelations, well, actually, it's not for the church. In Revelation chapter 7, it talks about the fifth rapture. And it's the world's greatest outpouring of the, of, of, the, that, of the world that's ever been seen. And you know what? We're not here for it. But I believe that we'll, we'll see it from heaven, but we're not here for it. You know, and uh, I don't want to concentrate too much on, on, on Revelation, but the world's greatest revival and the outpouring of, spirit, of God's spirit is still upon us. And, uh, you know, you can come up to me later and you can ask me about it and I'll explain it to you. But I just wanted to touch on that because, you know, not everyone will save, but not everyone will be saved, but everyone will what? Have an opportunity to, you know, in Second Timothy, we're going to go to Second Timothy. Am I talking? Am I talking too fast? Second Timothy. Thank you, honey. <laughs> Second Timothy, slow down, Jamesy boy. Second Timothy chapter four, verse one, he says, I charge thee therefore before the God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who should judge the quick and the dead as appearing in his kingdom. He said, preach the word. Sometimes we don't know what, what word to preach. You know, like what should we preach? What word should we preach? You know what John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word is Jesus. If you just stick to Jesus, preaching Jesus, you, you won't go wrong. It says, preach the word and be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering with doctrine. For the time will come when people will not, or for the time will come when they uh, will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap up themselves teachers who have itch, itching ears and they shall turn away from the truth and they shall be turned on the fables. But he said, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, and what do the work in evangelists and make full proof of your ministry. That's one of the jobs as a Christian. It's one of our jobs. It's the most important job. And you know, we might not be called to be, uh, like Ephesians says, in the fivefold ministry, but we're supposed to do a work of an evangelist. And an evangelist, all evangelist does is communicates the message of the gospel to salvation. I'll, I'll say that again. All, the, all an evangelist does is communicates the message, message of the gospel unto salvation. And like I said, you don't have to be called to be an evangelist to do the work of one. You know, and even just, even just let, you know, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's, that's being an evangelist. That's showing Jesus to a, a hurting world, right? That's bringing salvation to, the, to, to people. So, yeah. So, like I said, not everyone will be saved, and not everyone will receive um, what you say. But God values you. God values your salvation. And as long as you just listen to what he says, and do what he says to do, you'll be okay. 
And you know, the most valuable thing to, to God is not your sacrifice, but it's your obedience. Say that again. The most valuable thing to God is not your sacrifice, but it's your obedience. He's always looking for your obedience. You know, in everything you do, in everything you say, you know, we want to bring glory to Him. We want to bring salvation to, to others. You know, God is, not, it says in 2 Peter, 1 Peter, it says, God is not willing that any man should perish, but all that would come to repentance. And, you know, we know what repentance means. It just, it means just turn around. Just turn around. God is not willing that any man should repent should perish but so yeah you know what i mean it, and the value commodity that we have is not uh not only physical but it's spiritual and john uh john chapter 4 matthew mark luke and john the apostle john john chapter 4 so we're going to see here there's two value commodities starting in Verse 3. So he left Judea and departed again in the Galilee. He must needs to go through Samaria. And then he came to, his, uh, came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, which is near the parcel ground that uh, Jacob gave his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied of his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And then, then came a woman from Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me a drink. That's number one. That's the first, that's the first commodity, the, natu the, the natural. The natural water was the commo first commodity. And, you know, just to um, just want to touch on, on these first scriptures and give you a little bit of insight. You know, a Jewish day uh, starts at um, 6, 6 a.m. Or, no, it starts at 6 p.m. The next day it starts at 6 p.m. But... Jewish people are not allowed traveling uh, before 6 p.m. or 6 a.m. So they start their day at 6 a.m. So if Jesus uh, traveled from Galilee to, to, um, to Samaria, it would have taken him, it says he left, uh, if he left at 6 a.m., he got there at what, the sixth hour, which was at noon. So if you, if you do the math, you can walk, 21 to 24 miles in a six-hour time frame. And uh, in, in this time right here, it was a time of, uh, it was the time of Shavat, which was around May or June. And if, around May or June in, in Israel, it would have been 94 degrees or 34, or 34 degrees Celsius. So you can just imagine if Jesus was walking 21 to 24 miles in a six-hour period on a brisk walk, you can just think of how how thirsty he would be and how thirsty I am up here. <laughs> All right. So you know what? But he, he traveled for that woman. He traveled all that way on foot for that woman. But you know what? He did it just for you. He traveled, he traveled a long way for you. How, how, how long are you willing to travel for someone's salvation for that one person? You know, how long are you willing to travel? Well, Jesus traveled 21 to 24 miles in a six-hour period, and I'm pretty sure he was really tired. And it, Well, it says he was wearied. You know, he was tired, and he was thirsty. Well, so let's keep on reading. Um, so verse 8 first says this first, Disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat, and he said to the woman of Samaria, or the woman of Samaria said unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink? 
which I am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus then answered, said unto her, If you knew the gift of God, and who does it that says this unto you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you the living water. That's the second commodity. That's a spiritual commodity. It's a living water. He would have given him what her the living water, which is which is represented the Holy Spirit. All right? It says, And the woman said unto him, Sir, that you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, and whence uh, hast thou have this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank of it himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but it's, that water shall be in him what a, a, a well of uh, springing up to an, what everlasting life. Verse 34 Actually, verse 31, it says, In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed unto him and, and asked him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat that you, knew, you, that you know not of. He said, Therefore said his disciples to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me to finish his work. You know what? Jesus came and he finished the work that the Father started. But you know what? We have a work to do. And our job obligation is in these next couple of scriptures. In verse 35, he says, Say ye not ye that there are at four months, then comes the harvest. And behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are already um, white and ready to harvest. And he that reapeth receive wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life. And both he that sows and reaps shall rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap, and wherein you bestowed no labor, and no other men labored, but you entered into their labors. So it doesn't matter uh, who's sowing or who's reaping. It doesn't matter who's sowing, who's reaping. We're all in this together, and we're, we're all going to receive the same prize. And if you read Matthew chapter 20 about the parable of the laborer and the vineyard, You'll see that, you know, and there's a blessing in that. Read Matthew chapter 20 about that parable. And uh, the blessing in it is, is that we all receive the same reward. And there shouldn't be that division in the body of Christ. We're all going to receive the same reward. And what that reward is, is, is salvation, eternal life with him forever and ever and ever and ever. Right? You know, and... Yeah, and salvation would be so easy. Salvation is going to be so easy to preach when we walk in love and when we walk in unity, you know? And we all have the same reward, like I said, in Matthew chapter 20. And at the end of Matthew chapter 20, it says, Many are called, but few are chosen. And I believe that we're chosen for such a time as this. But everything is based around seed time and harvest. You know, we read that in Genesis uh, chapter 8, verse 22. But, you know, preaching the gospel, it, uh, it takes money. And it takes money to get people saved. And, you know, I had one of my closest friends for years um, ask me about tithing and giving and, you know, do I give and do I tithe? And here's a guy that doesn't know nothing about God, nothing about church, and he asked me about this. And I said, well, yes, I do. I do tithe. I do give. You know what I mean? Why? Because, you know, all tithing is is obedience to God. That's, that's really it. 
It's, it's just obedience to God. And uh, what, if it, what, if, what if I got to heaven, or what if I, when I get to heaven, what if someone came up to me and said, you know what, James, I got saved because of you. And you know what? I don't, what if I don't even know that person? What if I didn't even know that person? And let's say this person had a huge ministry and got millions of people saved and preached the gospel and you know, did exploits for the kingdom of God. And I asked them, well, how did you get saved? And what if that person goes, you know what? I got saved off the dime off your dollar. I got saved from the dime off your dollar. That would just be, that would just be amazing. I would just, that would just be so overwhelming. You know what I mean? That a dime off my dollar got someone saved. You know what I mean? How many people did they impact? You know? And, uh, you know, and, and pastor, he's been, um, he's been, he's been talking about the seven years of plenty and the seven or seven years of famine, seven years of plenty. And I, I totally, I totally get it. And that seven years of plenty is just not for us to live extravagant. It's not for us just to, to live an abundant and blessed life, but it's, it's to, it's to establish and to fulfill Deuteronomy 8.18. And Deuteronomy 8.18 says, for he's given you the power to get wealth to what? To establish his covenant on the earth. You know, it's about establishing his covenant. And he just wants you to be blessed to be a blessing. You know, it does say that, you know, the Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up in store for the just. And, you know, it's going to take money to preach the gospel to people. You know, it was, it's... Yeah, it does take money to preach the gospel. And everything you do and everything you say, even your time, like uh, Reverend Ann, she was, uh, she was up here and we were praying for Chris. And a backstory to this, uh, this was on Sunday, but backstory to this, on Friday, I was, um, I was doing a job and, um, you know, I just go about my business and do my job and the, the customer called me back into the house and so I went back in the house, and I, I, I thought he had a question, but he, 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 he put out his hand, and he gave me, gave me some cash. And, you know, I said, thank you, you know, and I'm always sensitive to when somebody does that or, or blesses me with it, because, you know, really, it's a harvest from the seed I sown. Right? Right? It doesn't matter how small or big it is, but I always, but, you know, I, I'm always sensitive to when somebody does that, because I always, uh, it's, it's somebody's time. You know what I mean? Somebody blessed me with some cash. So, you know, I put it in my wallet and uh, I said, okay, God, whatever you want me to do with it, you know, and even in the harvest, I always look for the seed that's in the harvest. I always look for the seed in it. And uh, so anyways, I put it in my wallet. And when I was going to church on Sunday, uh, you know, I was going up to the car and I had my keys in my, in my pocket and I put my hand in my pocket to get my keys out. And I felt, I felt like I felt some money there. So I pulled it out, and there's some cash there, $50 bill. I was like, oh, my gosh, where did that come from? Right? So I was like, you know, so I just I put it in my wallet, you know what I mean, and let it go, you know what I mean? And, and so anyways, Reverend Ann was up here praying over Chris, and she just said, she just said, and she said it quiet, and I don't even know if anybody heard, but she said, money comes to you right now in Jesus' name. And as soon as she said that, it was like, okay, I want to be the first. 
so I, I, I went and I just I put money in his in his hand, and then all of a sudden, you know, we we're still praying for him. All of a sudden, everybody else starts come up and you know blessing him, and you know what I mean. That's that's not only you know salvation is not only for the bringing it to the lost, but it's bringing it to others. And you know, and I remember I remember Ann was right here, and she looked over at Rick and. Give him something. <laughs> you know, you know, give him something. And Rick had his Rick had his wallet out, and he I think he I think he emptied his wallet. I think he emptied his wallet. But you know what, Rick? When you empty your pockets, God will fill yours. Yes. Right? God's gonna fill yours. You know, and but the thing is, our salvation, it's a free gift. But for us, it cost us something to give it to someone. It cost us. It, it cost us our time and it cost us our money to give salvation to someone else. Like you know, we're going on a road trip. You know, soon me and Justin. That's going to cost hundreds of hundreds of dollars. You know what I mean? But what are we expecting for? We're expecting for great conversations. We're expecting for the gospel to be preached and ministered to. That people get saved, right? That's what we're expecting. It takes money to preach the gospel. My closing scriptures. Uh, Second Samuel, I'm almost done here. Second Samuel 23, um, verse 15, it says, And David longed and said, Oh, that uh, one would give me the drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And it says, And three mighty men broke through the host of the Philistines and drew water of the well of Bethlehem, for it was by the gate, and took it and brought it unto David, and nevertheless he would not drink it, but he what poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this thing, that you see that, that this is the blood of the men that went out in jeopardy their lives, and therefore he would not drink it. In verse 24 of Second Samuel 24, and I'm not going to read this, this whole passage, but if you really want a, a, really, a, a story of the grace and the mercy of God on David's life, read 2 Samuel 24. And it says, uh, it says in verse 24, he says, But I will surely buy it. This is David talking about the threshing floor. Like I said, if you want to get the full story, read it over when you get home. It's, it's powerful. But he says, he says, but surely I will buy it of thee at a price, and neither will I uh, offer burnt offerings to the Lord that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. If it doesn't cost me something, if I offer something to the Lord and it doesn't cost, it, it costs me nothing, it's, it's it, yeah, it has no value to it, Right? Like I said, God values your salvation, but do you value yours? Do you value someone else's? Like I tell people this when, when people want to get involved with the tribe of Judah. The first thing I tell them, I said, you know, listen. I said, I take this very serious because I hold their salvations in my hand. How I live and what I say and how I conduct my life. I, I, you hold someone else's salvation in your hands. People look at you. The only Bible sometimes people see is, is, is you. Right? So we're supposed to value our salvation. We're supposed to bring salvation to others. We're supposed to bring protection to others. We're supposed to bring wholeness to one another, welfare to one another, prosperity to one another. You know, if it, if it costs God his only son, the only thing it costs us is to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him. That's it. 
It costs us just that. Deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. It's all about him anyways, right? And wherever you go, he goes. Wherever you go, salvation goes. You bring the blessing. You bring peace. You bring wholeness. You bring healing. You bring prosperity to people, right? And you know, like I said, salvation is is so much more than just saying a prayer and going to church. But you know what? If you're listening tonight and you're not saved, you can be. The Bible says in, um, in Acts 16, 38, it says, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved in your household. It's God's will for you to be saved. He doesn't want you to go to hell. Hell is real, and it's not for, it's not for, for us. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you, if you confess Jesus with your, with your mouth and believe that he's raised from the dead, you shall be saved. He loves you. And you know, you might not just be here in the church. You might just be like me at home. You know what I mean? I didn't come up to an altar and give my my heart to the Lord at an altar. I just gave my heart to the Lord on a pillow. I laid my head on the pillow and I said, Lord Jesus, if you're real, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I don't want to change anything about me. I just want you to change me. And that's the same with the Holy Spirit, the living water, that second commodity. That I talked about the living water, the Holy Spirit. He's given you power when you, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I didn't come up to, a, to an altar here. I, you know, I, I just laid in my bed and I, I lifted up my hands and I started worshiping the Lord. And I said, Lord, I don't know what this is, but I want it. And all of a sudden, when I started worshiping, all of a sudden it just came right out of my belly. It just came out of me. And the Holy Spirit's for you. It's power. It's for you to listen to Him. So you can go out and do the work of the ministry, do the work of an evangelist, and get people saved. God loves you, and we love you, and bless you. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.